What's up, people? It's Rich here. And on today's episode, we have Dylan Moralia. So Dylan, he's an elite OCR athlete and a strength and conditioning coach. He writes and implements workouts for some of the best OCR athletes in the literal world. And he has a ton of knowledge to share when it comes to how to improve your strength training gains. Gains with a Z. And in the episode, we talk about how to properly train to develop your dynamic strength, the biggest mistakes that OCR athletes make in the gym, and how to use different variations and strength equipment to avoid a training plateau. Plateau, if you're from like the Philly, Baltimore area. Um, So there are a lot of great takeaways here for you. So before we put on the podcast, uh, please take a second to rate and review and uh, say something really nice. Say something that is loving. That'd be great. Then subscribe to get all the newest episodes. Okay, let's do it. Dylan Moralia. Welcome to the Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan. I will be your host today. Today, our guest is Dylan Moralia. Dylan, what's up, man? Uh, Just doing great here in Colorado. Unfortunately, it's snowing right now, but still good weather. Is that unfortunate out there? It seems like people are like pumped when it snows. I'm a big snowboarder and I do love the snow, but I also like to get outside and go rock climbing and do other things. So right now I hate running in the snow and it's kind of impeding my running abilities. Well, people still out because I mean, on the East coast, if it starts snowing, people are just, they're going inside, you know, like yeah. are, people still run outside when it's like snowing or cold out there. Is it just like part of the culture? Oh, absolutely. As long as you're wearing like good clothing, you're good to go. I know yeah. I'm pretty sure Nicole was running today earlier, so she's fine. Yeah, and, and and it's different there, right? Like the snow will go away relatively quickly as well because like it's sunny more than it would be over on the East Coast. Uh, sunny is one aspect of it, but it's just so dry here that the snow is gone usually the next day. So that makes running the trails pretty nice. That's amazing. I can't, I can't even understand it yet because like, you know, back home, like East Coast, like it snows and then it's muddy for like two months <laughs> and like it never it was not... a huge culture shock to me when i got here i'm like oh snow's gone the next day that's crazy because usually i live in connecticut and the snow would be there for the entire month and you're like this kind of sucks yeah and then it turns to ice and then it turns the snow's like really pretty and for like the first hour and then it just turns to like cold mud and it's just like gross the entire time um, exactly yeah i don't even know what i would do with like snow just disappeared um but i don't really have to worry about that because i'm not i'm not headed out that way so we are going to really do a deep dive on some ocr and some strength training things and i'm really excited to talk to you and kind of uh, have a conversation that way but first i have a couple of questions that i want to dive in i'm just curious uh i was just thinking about some questions that i wanted to ask you and uh so the first one is if you could have one superpower what would it be um superpower is always about flight no, no matter I mean, what, flying, flying is always the best thing aspect. I think if every human had the ability to fly, I guarantee half the world wouldn't do it. It'd be like kind of running. Like there's some sort of effort you have to do to it. So if you enjoy running, you'll probably enjoy flying. Yeah, that would suck if you got the ability to fly. If like everyone in the world had it, and like you were just like we're still afraid of heights. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm still gonna take the bus. Would you fly over like teleporting? Uh, you know what? Actually, I do think about teleporting all the time. Every time I'm in the car, have an hour drive, two hour drive, I'm like, fuck, I wish I could just teleport home right now. It's hit me so much time. I know. Um, I think about that when it's, the weather's nasty. I'm like, man, I wish I could just be in California <laughs> right now. Teleporting would be cool. I think I still have to pick flying over that. Yeah. You can't beat the views. There's no views in teleporting. No views, picking people up, doing whatever you need to do. It's, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> flight flight that that's definitely the answer um so what is your least favorite sport to play fuck uh probably you know what baseball is just too boring i need a continuous type of sport to keep me entertained so that's why i played rugby all throughout high school and college and a little after um it was just constant constant movement constant thinking and that is the thing with rugby because I think people, when they start watching rugby, they just assume it's going to be like football, but it's really not. Like there's never like – It's like soccer and football together. There's just constant movement and a lot of time you're like, what the fuck is going on? So <laughs> That's why it's hard to watch because you – it is <laughs> – dude, one time – this must have been like 2000, 2001. PlayStation came out with a rugby video game and I was like, I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm playing this. Go. And it was the worst video game I've ever played. I had oh, no, no idea what the rules were. <laughs> I like you just be in a scrum and just like 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 mashing buttons trying to get the butt like and then you would just be like 
get tackled, and it would be a scrum again. Isn't that what we all play rugby, uh, video games? It's just, just smashing buttons. That, that's that's what we do. That used to be my favorite like, track and field games where you just mash the buttons back and forth and just go as fast as you could. I would play those over and you over. You played track and field video games? Oh, yeah. You never played oh like, the Olympic God. games? <laughs> no. Dude, I had a game one time that like literally had an 800 and a 1500 meter. <laughs> so like you would just try to pace yourself, like, use the joystick that you would slowly push up. And like you could see your energy go back, so you slowly pull it back, and you just wait and you just kick. It's my I didn't idea. Know that was a thing. My idea of a good time. Your parents must have hated you. <laughs> <laughs> when I was when I was in trouble, it's the only game I had to play. And little did they know that I loved it. All right. Um, so, what is something that you spend too much money on? Uh, gym equipment. I just uh, me and my wife we just got a new house about a year ago, and I've been outfitting that gym uh, constantly. <laughs> what was the first thing? Did you get a rig right away? Uh, no, actually, the first thing I did was I built an Olympic platform, so I didn't spend too mm. much money on that. And I had a squat rack that my wife gave me like for a birthday present. It was only like a small one, like 300 bucks. Um, you can go out, pick up and move. Yeah, pretty much pick up and move. So I actually just bought a Rogue Monster rig, so that was a pretty penny. Nice. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a long list of things I want to get, so it's just pacing out. I know. And like it's the thing with fitness equipment is it's, it's not cheap because no. – I feel like just have the the market. You get every, you get everything rogue. Then is that where you do most uh, of it? Rogue and some other equipment, but typically it's always going to be the best because you buy it once, you'll have it forever. Yeah, it, it's the quality is so strong. Um, what's next on your list? What do you what do you uh, like eyeing up? Um, eyeing up uh, actually the strongman sandbags from XD. They sell like from seventy five pounds all the way to three hundred, or it's going to be the reverse hyper, one of those two machines. <sighs> The reverse hyper would be so awesome because that's yeah. something like that you might not find places. So if you have that at home, you can just kind of rock that thing because it is like a, a unique uh, ex- uh, like experience. But the sandbags, that's kind of a racket because like a sandbag, <laughs> you get an empty sandbag, just like a canvas bag, like the strongman bags, which don't even have handles, right? Yeah, no, they're just a sandbag canvas. Just a, that's it. And they're like 80 bucks. <laughs> like I'm like – so I'm like trying to figure out ways to go about like I'm buying just a canvas bag, but I thought that, about it. And then I realized like the XD bags, they have a nice like grip and tack to them. So like, there's no other place that's going to sell you stuff like that. So I'm like, I'll bite the bullet. I'll pay $80 for a canvas sack and fill it myself. And then go get your own sand. Yeah. <laughs> They're called XT, like just the letters. Uh, XD. XD. I'll have to check those out because I, I had one. I had one that was from just some random company and, I, I I somehow lost it, <laughs> and it's uh, so I need to get. You lose a bag with Santa. <laughs> with Santa, just like I was coaching at this CrossFit gym, and then the dude wasn't paying his bills, so everything in, and I just le- left some of my equipment in there, and all the assets that were inside the building got seized. I had like a weight vest, I had nice. that, that sandbag, so that 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 shit is just gone. But gym equipment, <laughs> well, gym equipment is well worth it. Yeah, whenever I see like a, a, a someone has a garage, like I live in an apartment, so I don't really have like space for something like that. Oh, yeah. Whenever I see a, like a garage, I'm like, oh my god, this would be the best gym setup. That's immediately what I'm thinking about. Yeah, I got super lucky with the house. We liked it, and it just so happened the garage is like a three bay garage and twelve oh, foot ceiling, so it's like fuck, that's garage paradise. So I told my wife like, we're not parking cars in here. I'm putting gym mats down the entire <laughs> thing, and I'll shovel off your car if we need to. But we're cars are not going in this garage. Damn, three bay and 12, because that's the thing. Sometimes it's not tall enough to go overhead, but that sounds legit. Very um, Cool. So when you are in the gym, what is your favorite music to work out to? Like what, what genre? Or like if you have a specific artist? Oh, it always changes. I'm always listening to different types of music. Uh, lately, I've been listening to Volbeat. They're like a Dutch rock band, and they're toying with Clutch actually in Denver, so I'll probably see them soon. Nice. And that's just – is it just depends on your mood essentially or, or just whatever you like listening to at the time? Whoever I'm into or whoever's working out with me, I'm like, what do you want to listen to? It really doesn't matter. Yeah. Sometimes we'll listen to like the random stuff like Tia Turner or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't matter. But it's it's nice. some people are very specific and need to have something. But I'm on oh, your It always right. gets tuned out. I'm always in like a flow state when I'm working out. So stuff like that just get tuned out. I know. And like if you need it, like you're – it, then it's like a crutch at that point. So you really shouldn't have to have it, but um, cool. So last one, what is something that you can do better than anyone else, you know? Hmm. What can I do better? Uh, I'm definitely better than my entire squad at strength and running. And I won't put that on record. I'm better at than Aaron Newell. 
better okay. than Matt Kempson, mm-hmm. better than Nicole Miracle, yep. no Rojas. I'm faster than all of them and stronger than all of them. So let's just get that on record right now. Um, yeah. What was the question? I just want that being said. That was it. Okay. <laughs> you're just a better athlete. Okay. You're the best athlete you know. Good. Um, but cool, man. You got it through. So from here, just kind of fill us in a little bit more about who you are as an athlete and as a coach and, and just give us a quick rundown about who you are. Um, still trying to be an athlete. I started running like three years ago when I moved to Colorado. I did Spartan races beforehand a little bit, but I never ran. I always did like high intensity workouts and really trained properly. And as soon as I moved to Colorado, I started taking running more seriously, started getting to the events more. Um, cause these Spartan races and everything, like if you have a strength background, it's all about the running who can run faster. Um, but yeah, so I come from a strength background, huge into rugby and those type of athletics. And uh, yeah, I mean, strength is my passion. So I'm always researching, learning new techniques and trying to incorporate that into my workouts and helping out uh, these other top end athletes that I live with. Did they have you in the weight room at a pretty young age for rugby? Is that is that part of the culture uh, in that sport? That they, they Oh, hell no. Rugby is still considered a club sport, so it's not like a division. Um, it's not an NCAA sport. Mm-hmm. So most schools out there don't have funding to do like weight room training or anything like that. It's more taking on the athlete to do your own training and stuff of that nature. So in college, I took over like our rugby strength training program and gave guys workouts and stuff like that. I actually gave – programs to the Cornell rugby team as well. So like our rival team, which was good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's completely taken on yourself to do what you need to do. Yeah. That, that is kind of how it was, at least at the school I went to where it seemed like it was more, I mean, it was a club sport and it kind of seemed like it was a way for people for like a camaraderie and then go drink and hang out with your friends. Um, Pretty much. It's a Hooligan <laughs> sport for gentlemen. <laughs> and you studied uh, like exercise science, right? Yeah, exercise science and medical science in school. Nice. And so that was just something that you found there was a need there. So you kind of rose up and was like, okay, I'm going to take take this by the horns and learn more about strength training. And then we're going to – Well, it was more like I always went to the gym before practice and ran after practice. And other guys were like, what are we doing in the gym? So we started working out together in like small groups. And then it turned into like, okay, I'm going to write programs. So like this entire team, like here's what we're doing. Um, so nice. that's how it kind of devolved from there, which is nice. Nice. You got you got a puppy back there. I do. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of puppy you got? Uh, she is a Rottweiler Shepherd mix. Not not a, not a small puppy. <laughs> she actually is like fifty pounds and super fast. Oh, that's not that's. I, I assume it'd be bigger. Rotties are like huge. Yeah. So her mom was like pure Rottweiler, but I guess we don't know where her dad is. So it's like Shepherd and all these other mixes. Nice. Cool. Does it? Do you run? What What's the dog's name? Aria. Uh, yeah, so I run and she just trots next to me. It's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> like not even, not even trying? Not even trying. Like it's just an easy walk for her. It's pretty embarrassing. So so then from rugby and doing some strength training, how, how did you find your way into obstacle course racing? Um, yeah, so I was still playing rugby at the time and my brother started doing obstacle course racing. And at the time he was doing all like the stadium races when they first started coming out. So he was getting like second place, first place, third place. Um, he was doing well against Isaiah and I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Like maybe I'll do a race. And I did one. It was fun. Um, I still found rugby more important. So I was playing rugby all the time. And then I injured my neck, like pretty bad herniated disc in my neck, C4, C5, I think. Mm. And I was just in terrible pain for like six months, maybe. Um, so after that, I'm like, okay, I'm not getting paid to play rugby and I really can't do the sport long-term because it's going to end in injury. Even if you have a perfect game, you just can't control it. Yeah. Uh, so at that point, like I started doing more of the races, did the stadium series and like ended up top 10 with not doing any running training uh, for the year. Uh, I was like 2017, I think. Literally no training, like no, no running training, just, just strength training and some high intensity work. Mm. Uh, but again, like at that time, like 2017, the competition field wasn't too deep of like the athletes. There was a series, right? But it wasn't as structured as it is now. Yeah, it was like the start of the series. And I think at that point, you could do like any top three races they pick. So you could do all the races and the top three, they'll give you the points for. That's right. That's right. So a lot of top athletes weren't there. So it was like really easy to kind of like get in there and do what you need to do. Because back then it was like, it was a poor setup, obviously. Because I remember your brother was like in first or second for most of the year. And then at the end of the year... 
there was like three or four races in a row. And then the guys who would come from the mountains or whatever would, would drop down and then just run those races and just get three of them. Exactly. The guys like you who are committed to it, just like were bumped to the back. So I'm, I'm and roughly so, like I wasn't a runner at that point. So yeah, if you're going to come in and do that, great, because I didn't have the training. So it just made me want more and do better. So I think at that point I moved to Colorado and started training a lot for OCR. My brother was a little pissed because he was always training for it. And I said, nah, nah, I can't do that. Train for rugby. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the rugby stopped and I just started training more for running. And I said, when I met Nell, luckily on the track one day and, uh, I started coaching her for strength. She started coaching me for running. It was a perfect setup. Nice. And that is something that is interesting about your group because you do have some high-end OCR athletes, obviously. And then you have runners like Nell Rojas, who is one of the best marathoners in the country, in the world, honestly. She and is. yeah, <laughs> like at the time she runs, like she just ran like 110. I was like, she's like the fast, she'd be the fastest guy in OCR, I think. <laughs> like one of them for sure. That's <laughs> guys are definitely one of the strongest. She she puts some serious weight up too. And because you guys do have, you know, you guys there's a couple people in the short course. There are definitely some longer course athletes in there. You mentioned Aaron Newell who got third in the, the Spartan World Championships, Ultra World Championships, twenty four hour race. And then guys like you and Matt who specialize more in those shorter races like the TMX style or if you're training for high rocks. So you have a wide range oh, yeah. of, of of group here and so what would you say would be like the most across all of those domains? Like what is the most important aspect of strength training when it comes to like these OCR competitions? Honestly, I don't think strength training is the most important. I think if you're a good runner, you'll do well across all boards. Um, For sure. Aaron, Aaron Newell one, he just, doesn't, he doesn't do a lot of strength training, but he could definitely put a good time down at high rocks. He'll definitely podium or maybe even win deca fit. And like easy long course running. So, you know, it's really more important about the running. That being said, strength is a huge aspect for people who don't do strength. Totally. And that's, that's kind of where I was headed with that. Like it's like running is just going to make you the, you're like, you can't be the best in the sport if you're not a good runner, you know, like that's just, but there is this element of strength that comes along with it. And a lot of times say runners who are coming into the sport, they, who might not have any background in it. Um, so it, when you guys do train for strength, is there a specific area that you start with or is there something that you guys particularly attack first because you find it's more important? Like running aside, what part of like the actual strength training itself do you think is like the most important? I think the, what we spend a lot of focus on is uh, speed strength and a lot of plyometric training just to train the tendons. Uh, it's obvious. It's been proven in literature. The strongest facet animals in the kingdom aren't the ones with the most muscles. They have the largest tendon density and the strongest tendons. So to train that, a lot of plyometrics is what we do and strength training to um, just go along with that. So with the plyos, that's, that is a, a great point because the, the, with the tendon strength, it's something that we might not think about and, and making us more resilient and, and faster, better athletes. So how do you, how do you train those plyos? Like when, and this is something else, like you mentioned the high intensity training, where people are now doing, you know, box jumps for sets of like 30. Um, So when you guys do plyometrics, like how do you guys structure that? Like, what does that look like? Uh, I'm a big fan of like the conjugate system and like French contrast training. So if we're lifting, uh, the other day I had like Nicole and Aaron, we were all doing slow eccentric squats, like a kettlebell, slow as we can down just to activate all the muscle fibers. And then we just shed the weight and go into box jumps right away. Mm. We're just kind of tricking the body like, okay, you're under a super maximal load. We'll get rid of that load and then we'll be able to jump faster and higher. And then we'll use bands as well to go again with that to kind of trick the body. like, okay, now we're going super fast. So you have that assisted jump. So with things like that, what is it doing? Is it priming with the centrics and going slow? Is it essentially priming your body to have a heavy load for a long time and then switching into plyometrics right away? Like how, what does like the tricking and the confusing the body, like how does that? So the eccentrics work away as in just you're stimulating more muscle fibers, getting ready to prime that system, like you were saying, and then you're just ready to go. Uh, my best analogy I could think of is like, if you're thinking about moving, uh, heavy box. You're helping a friend and you pick up a box full of books, throw into the truck, your muscles are primed and ready for the next load. So then you pick up a box labeled books. You're like, all right, this will be fucking heavy and there's nothing in it. So you're fucking flying off mm. 
seated pants. And that's what we're trying to do with all these plyometrics is the heavy load, then there's no load, and then you have an assisted load. So it's that your muscles raised, system and primed, and you're going to go faster. What is the assisted load? Uh, so I like to do jumps and plyometrics, like holding onto bands. Mm. So you're reducing your body weight. And it's also giving that slingshot up as well. So you're going holding onto bands, like from a, like a pull-up bar. Oh yeah. Hmm. So it's kind of like an overspeed training. Exactly. Interesting. And and what kind of rep ranges are you guys working with in, in, when it comes to plyos? Are you doing a lot of reps, or is it maximal amount of? effort that you can in the weight room it's usually about um as long as you keep the same amount of force and Mm. height once you start losing that you're done so we'll stay in like the six rep range no more than that uh but we do do days on hill plyos and we do hill plyos it's a lot of reps we'll go up the hill maybe 30 broad jumps so again it's just different types of training totally and that would kind of put people more in the endurance that's an endurance workout oh yeah right when you start getting into that but uh i like what you said about keeping in like that six rep range at most because a lot of times again people think plyos box jumps broad jumps yeah. and they're just More is not usually better yeah no exactly especially when you have to think about what the purpose is of the workout when you are trying to get maximal explosion for that to help stimulate uh, like the tendons and help with the, the explosive movements you want to be in that short amount of time so you can really engage and go hard um and to, just to, you mentioned the conjugate method so just explain to what, I mean, that's very uh, prominent in the powerlifting world, right? That's, everybody knows what that is, everybody knows <laughs> West Side. But of course. for the people who don't know powerlifting, like, could you explain, explain kind of what the conjugate system means? Um, so it's just not your, the way the body works, if you put a stress onto it, it's going to get better so it could deal with that stress later on. That's obvious. And if you just keep doing that in a linear fashion, you won't actually get better. You'll actually decrease performance. So the conjugate method does, it's kind of doing to some days you're going to do a high intensity workout with low volume. Other days you'll do a high volume day with low intensity and you're just kind of going up and down to, again, hit that super performance level without declining. Hmm. And so when you said typically people, if they were doing like five by five, but they do it for, for like 12 weeks, cause that's just like what they know, right? <laughs> Eventually they'll, they'll get to a point where the, the adaptation will completely plateau and then like my strength gains, what's going on. But conjugate is like, it's like literally very every single day. Right. Uh, what do you like training every day or, uh, um, like every day is a little bit something different. Like there oh, really is no yeah, linear yeah. path. There's no, uh, it doesn't seem like a linear path, but there is a linear path. You're going up and down and up and down in hopes to reach this never ending, uh, ceiling. Hmm. And that's also where the use of like the loads change too, right? So when you say things like using the band assisted, is that also part of that system as well? Oh yeah. Uh, Bands we use every day, uh, chains every now and then, and then we'll do like strip sets. Um, Basically, I like one thing we like to do here, especially at my gym is called the mustache dojo and we have workouts every Saturday. Um, is that the real name of it? Or is that just like the what is the unofficial, like there's a sign. Like if I Google mustache dojo, <laughs> there's a geotag for a mustache dojo. I made is one. It? <laughs> and then yeah, add some decals on my lifting platforms with a mustache and barbells. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I mean the most important thing is consistency and is it fun? Because you have all these other great athletes that are doing workouts and they don't look excited for doing them. Because I know Nell just came back from a speed set in probably Arizona, and she's like, yeah, some of those athletes don't look like they're having fun. It's like work to them. Mm. And she's out there just having fun. So it's more important of like just enjoy the journey type of deal. For sure. And I like that that mindset when it comes to training, right? Anything. And the conjugate does seem more fun when things are going to change and you're going to use different tools like chains and bands. And it's going to be a little bit different every time where unless – aside from doing straight sets in a linear fashion, like, you know, what's coming, you probably know how it's going to feel like it's not exciting. <laughs> it really yeah. just isn't. And, but, but that's something that I found is a struggle when it comes to training in OCR in particular on the strength side, because there are so many elements of the sport. So people are always trying to do like kind of everything at once. So have okay. you found that the conjugate system ha- has really helped blending all these elements together or how do you really program and decide what, what, what to do and like what's important? Uh, so you're right. Everything in OCR is so complex and there's so many different things you do. And it's like, what's actually working to make you a better athlete. 
So the thing about the conjugate system, it's just a system. It's not like, okay, I'm going to lift the barbell only and I'm going to lift kettlebells only. It's like you have the system, you know what you're doing. So if I'm doing a high volume day with low intensity, I could use any implement I want as long as I know what the whole goal of the workout is. Hmm. So that's the point with these workouts is, all right, we know that we're going to do a high intensity day with some low volume. So we'll just do some explosive sets and maybe we'll use the kettlebell. Maybe we'll use a sandbag. It really doesn't matter. And that's how we keep it different. It's just using, utilizing different implements. Interesting. So you would just go in and, and have. So we like- have a general outline of the program. Like, okay, I know what we're going to do, but there's no set like, oh, we're sticking to barbell split squats today. Like, nah, if you don't want to do that, cool. Grab the sandbag. We'll do some split squats. Mm. Got it. And is there, I guess being in a group, does, do you guys help keep yourselves accountable? So you're just not always doing sandbags or because same kind of thing, right? It could kind of fall into going into the same thing of what you like or always using the barbell, always using the kettlebell, or is there a system to kind of make sure to police against the same thing happening over and over? No, it's more like um, I'm telling everyone what the workout or what we're doing. And people are like, especially Nicole or Aaron, like, okay, I'll do that. Sometimes I get Nell and he's like, oh, I actually kind of want to do this. Today. I'm like, that's a great idea. Let's hit that. Or if Matt's in the workout, he'll say, we know we're doing this. So there's really more like whatever you feel like doing for the day. And when it goes like, are, are, is it then programmed in a like meso cycle, macro cycle, or, or are you just going week by week, day by day, or, or based on what you did the previous day, or is there a broader aspect of this type of training? So I wrote now a more broader type of workout and I have my own type of workout. So I know what I'm kind of doing for that day. And I know what Nell's going to be doing for that day. If, Nicole or Aaron are joining I'll kind of gear it to what they need for that because I know they have a race coming up in like two and a half weeks or two weeks for Jacksonville Mm -hmm. Um, so it gets tailored a little bit but mainly it's like I'm going off of my program I'm going off of Nell's Nell's program okay yeah and that was something else because Nell's gearing up for the biggest race of her life essentially right and and so there's got to be some serious training when it comes to just like base mileage. And when you're talking about Aaron and Nicole, like they're running a lot of elevation gain. So how do you manage that with the athletes and the demands of the running itself with the strength training? Is there something that you do to like manage the volume and load or is it just kind of like hey here's what we got going on and and go how you feel or what do you do to, to help when when they need to when you're like taking them into a race or something uh yeah so nell is i think she's three weeks out now i can't remember now how many weeks she's out it uh, sounds right i think it's it might be the week after jacksonville it's in yeah. february yeah, uh, so three, let's call it three or four weeks, but I think her last week was the last week I had her heavy lifting. So we actually went for her three rep maxes uh, that week beforehand. And to get like ready for like her mileage and everything, it's more about me asking her like when her track workouts are, or when she feels like lifting. It's totally, totally dependent on the athlete. Um, obviously, the running is going to come first, and we're going to sneak in the strength when we can. Uh, same thing with Nicole and uh, Aaron, although they feel like – they join in almost any workout they can. Nice. <laughs> I mean, especially Aaron, it's just like he'll fly by the seat of his pants. He's like, oh, you guys working out? I'll yeah. work out. Cool. Um, and have you found that there is that there gets to a point where it ends up being too much? Like, will you, if you know someone's running, I don't know how high these mileage are, like they're running 100 miles a week, will you still try to fit in the strength? Or is there a point where there you need to kind of back things off? I don't think none of our athletes are running a hundred miles a week. I know Nell would kill herself if she was running a hundred miles a week. <laughs> um, but just like peak mileage, right? Like whatever yeah. that ends up being for somebody. Uh, yeah, you tailor the strength workouts a little bit, but then you have to kind of imagine like where you are in the program, how far away are you from the race? Because strength is most likely to be more important than trying to get those high number of volume in. And do you? Th- like, is that the philosophy because you believe that it will help with resilience and it will help with your overall ability to recover or why, why would you strength put that Strength is the prerequisite for strength and power are most important thing for any sport that you play, whether it's ball, sport, whether it's a track and field sport, like whatever it is, strength and power are always going to be a prerequisite for it. 
Um, that being said, like there are training residuals. You want to be able to keep an aerobic base and you'll be able to keep an aerobic base for 30 days, plus or minus five. Same thing with strength. You want to hit a high strength load and you'll be able to keep those residuals again, 30 plus or minus five days. Uh, max speed and power you can only keep for like eight days, I think is what the science shows. And same thing with explosive strength and power. You can keep it for eight days. So you have to figure out when your most important race is and how you could periodize the training in with that. Yes. And that was something else that I did want to ask you and how to prioritize that and, and, and periodize the, the different elements of strength. So do you, do you periodize it based on, so if, will you do like an explosive workout, like eight days or seven days out from a key race, just to make sure that those residuals are staying in place or, or like, how do you do balance what you're actually doing around the upcoming goal um yeah you'll have like mini peaks for a season so you have that say four weeks is four to eight weeks is usually be like your combination phase that's when you're doing hypertrophy and that's when you get your aerobic running in the next phase again is gonna be two to three weeks and that's just more of your explosive strength your explosive running and then the last two weeks of that is going to be your specificity for whatever race you're doing Hmm. Um, if you're running races, it's more important to get your speed work in rather than trying to hit some heavy barbells or going faster. Um, so I would just hit like some low intensity there, but keep volume high. That's the best way to do it. In my opinion, um, keeping volume high Mm -hmm. on those days before races. And when it comes to, um, and when you're building it congruently with the running program, do you try to match this, the stimulus and the strength with the stimulus in the running? Like if you were doing faster running workouts, do you then want to do faster strength workouts or can you still do like slower power workouts during like a fast phase of running or have you found that that matters at all? Can you do two things at once? Well, with the best of your ability. So, so you think that they, <laughs> they are still. They have to be separate. If you want to work on one thing, you have to work on that one thing wholeheartedly. You can't really do two things at once. Across all domains. Almost, yeah. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so when you're working on your speed sets, strength is going to drop down. That's why I like to keep the intensity low, but you're still doing some volume work to keep what you have. Got it. Nice. So that's a cool way to kind of periodize. So when looking at a broad picture of what's, a race schedule looks like and a training schedule, you're able to kind of match the racing, the running stimulus with the strength stimulus. And you feel like that's a good way to go. Uh, from what I've found and the research I've shows, that's what it seems to be like. Again, there's so many different things that work and consistency is King. Really. It's going to show off of who does the work. Um, well, no doubt. Like a program. No doubt. Like whoever's putting like any workouts better than no workout. But when you're getting into like th- these fine and the athletes, that you guys are and the athletes that you're coaching are at the highest end. Right. So like that's when the, these type of semantics really matter, like being able to match these things up. And when people do get to the point where they are consistent with their strength workouts and consistent with their running workouts, this is what's really important, you know, like, or this is what's going to help take them to that next, like really kind of fine tune things and, 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 uh, dialing in it a little bit more. So I really like that. I think that's a really cool way to, to, to figure out your strength plan because I feel like people do, just do like the straight sets or just do, you know, like I said, five by five yeah. the entire time. No, and uh, I always, uh, so I train a few online athletes uh, in the OCR world. And the most important question I ask them is like, what's your schedule look like for the year? And what's the most important schedule? Uh, what's the most important race? And a lot of time I get back is like, well, all the races are important. And it's like, I understand that, but like, <laughs> uh, what's the key race that you want to do really well for? Cause we need to periodize this whole session. So <laughs> I hate getting that, that answer back. Like, yeah, every race is important. Like, okay. That's such an OCR answer too. It's like, well, I'm doing 30 races this year and I want to do them all well. It's like, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so when people might come to you and they want to, like some of these online clients that you have or the people that you see in OCR, like what are some things that you want to kind of steer them away from or some habits that they've taken in the weight room or just and in, in, as far as their general training that you would really kind of steer people away from? Um, you got two type of athletes. You got the weight room warrior who's more into strength workouts and thinking like high intensity is going to get them to run the race better. And then you got 
um, some really good runners who are doing the weirdest imaginable shit possible in the weight room. <laughs> like what? Like, like st- standing on BOSU balls and <laughs> no, just like, Oh, I got a kettlebell that's 15 pounds. And I'll just do like, you know, a hundred swings with it. I'm like, okay, that's, that's going to go far for you. <laughs> uh, that's so funny because it is like the endurance athlete has everything needs to be endurance. It's yes. like, well, you're, <laughs> your running is going to take care of your endurance much more than those hundred kettlebell swings. Like that you're just wasting time. Like there's nothing that, especially like, with that weight, like 15 especially pounds, with that weight. Like, okay. yeah, doing, doing 10, <laughs> pound, 10 pound shoulder presses for sets of 50. It's like, that's not the same kind of endurance. So I'll see those two, af- two type of athletes a lot and uh, just try to merge together. Like, okay, well we need to take running serious and we need to take strength serious. And sometimes they cross uh, for workouts, but not often. And in your experience, you mentioned you had come from kind of like that world, right? Like strength training and then high intensity. And then you, what was the turning point in your mind where you're like, okay, like I need to drop this high intensity stuff for my main type of working out and and kind of blend things that are going to be more OCR and like running. Like what was that moment for you? Do you remember? I just just realized I sucked at running. (laughs) I think I was in a race and I pass a lot of people in the obstacles and then they just pass me right back running. I'm like, well, this sucks. (laughs) So it was just clear, right? It was was so obvious. I'm like, okay, I'm really good at obstacles and I can do the strength stuff so easily. And then I'm getting outrun by a twig figure. Right. Right. The, the rec and, and the required strength in OCR is pretty low. Super low. You know? So like you're, you came into it already with a strength ceiling that was far beyond what you needed. Yeah, um, yeah. And so do you have any idea like where that is? Cause um, like, what do you, do you have any idea of like what numbers people should kind of aim for? That would be like baseline numbers. It's like, okay, you're strong enough to do yeah, whatever Aaron Newell could lift, that's pretty much your baseline. That's the lowest. God, God's like if you, yeah, he's a strong dude, so maybe that's not the best example. But honestly, if you're as strong as Aaron, then fucking just work on your running, work on the strength just to get to his level. <laughs> he is like the perfect person, so I think that's quite funny. <laughs> that is funny. Um, and like, so what would you tell somebody who's resistant in, in, in changing on this? Because people like to train for high intensity, right? Like it's it's the, it's the flavor of the month. I think mean, that's what people like to do. Cross made it popular, and it's the it's the go to. Mm-hmm. Um, like- yeah, no, the, I mean, I always tell people trust in the process and just follow what you can do. And usually, that kind of gives them like I'll just sit down. I'm very blunt and um, honest with people. I'm just gonna tell them right away, like you're getting nowhere with what you're doing right now. And here's what I do. It's been working. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell, like force someone to do it, but just give them the talk to Jesus. Like, this is going to work. Yeah, right. Like you, like I'm the voice of reason here. <laughs> like I, I went through this and it's it's good that you did go through this process because I found that most people that come into OCR are kind of coming in, at it from the similar background that you had, like played sports, did other things, had strength, just like the idea of competing and doing other things that wasn't just running, but then having that moment and be like, oh, okay, well, running is actually what I'm going to have to do. Exactly. Um, and then when you started to kind of come into running, did you just switch right away? Were you like, okay, now I'm going to run five days a week? Or how did you kind of um, progress uh, yourself into it? I started running like four days a week and maybe I do like a long run, uh, like two hours or three hours, like once a week. Like very bad running form, but that's what I did. And then I just randomly met Nell on the track one day. Like I was getting on the track doing something stupid probably. And she was there with her dad and we started talking and about uh, Spartan races and she knew Nicole at the time. Oh. So I'm like, Oh, you know, Nicole, that's cool. And like, we talked a little bit and then um, I was just super fortunate to find her because then I started working out at her gym for strength, um, which was perfect. And she's kind of helped guide, guide you with, the running piece. Yeah. So she started helping me with the running. I started helping her with strength and we just both uh, meshed off of those two ideas and uh, it just worked out perfectly. It's getting good results both ways. Yeah. Um, and have you found like any specific limiters for, for, for both of them? So for someone that like you coming in from a strength background, like what would you find, what did you feel like was limiting you for your endurance training or was oh, it-, easy. it was time? Uh, you need a lot of time to get better at running. It takes a few years, so um, it's always time. 
you got guys coming from the high school level, the collegiate level that ran. So it's like, oh, they have a lot of time under their belt. Their muscles are developed and their energy systems are developed. And then all it does is time. Yeah. And how have you found that timeline? Because that's something that's hard. That's a hard conversation too, right? So when people, in particular, when when I'm helping out runners, they'll be like, my goal is to qualify for Boston. I need to run, say, 335. I run 355 now. When can I when can I make this jump? And it's really just like impossible to say. And it's going to yeah. be, it's probably longer than you would want it to be. Um, it always is. It always, like, you'll probably have a good first year of improvement and then it's going to be a little bit slower until like maybe that third, fourth year or so. Yeah. And then it's just minutes. It's hard. Then it's yeah. just like very little bit at a time. And, and that's something that I have to help people with uh, when they improve even their time year over year, like by like five seconds per mile in like a 5K or 10K. And I have to explain to them like, this might not look like a lot, but this is like really strong, solid results. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're right. The, the, the time spent and, and um, was it hard to divert yourself from the weight room or were you just like, all right, like I, I need to, I need to run. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was definitely hard to divert myself from the weight room just because I love lifting. It's more enjoyable to me. Um, and there were times like I was running, I think the most I ever ran was like 50 miles or 60 miles a week. Nice. And I think Nell hated me at that point because she did not want to run with me anymore because I would always complain. <laughs> just weren't <laughs> a nice person. Yeah, wasn't a nice person. And I think she stopped running with me for like a month because she just uh, hated everything I was doing. <laughs> so at least I found out, I know my limits now. I know like, okay, 60 miles a week, that's not really a good day for me to hit. Um, and, and that's also really an important point because I mentioned someone running 100 miles a week, right? And so it's not always a matter of, more and there's not and that's another question that you get asked lots like so how many miles am i gonna have to run to get better doesn't mean anything anything, right uh and it's just a matter of finding that area so what was something that helped you find that okay 60 miles is what i need and and that's as high as i can go like was it just like mood or was it did you feel like shit or like what was it that you're or you're performing poorly it was definitely mood and i was definitely not excited to run like, mm. it was more like my runs were, like, turning into, like, oh, I get to run, like, up the canyon today. It was more like, fuck, I have to run 10 miles today. Uh, this is going to suck. I don't want to do it. Right. And, and that's what you mentioned before, like, when Nell came back and she was like, well, people weren't excited to train. And, and the whole idea behind with the conjugate system and using all of these different implements, like, it just seems fun. Yeah, no, if you have a system in place, that's a program to me. If you have a certain system or guideline that you're using, great, perfect. It doesn't have to be specific. As soon as you get to specifics, you're locking yourself into a mold where like, okay, this day I have to do this. If I don't do it this day, I'm lost. So it's more about its openness and just the ability to change. Mm. And that's could be hard for people as well because people get really rigid and they want to do exactly what they are told and they want to know that that's taking them to a place that they had envisioned. So I I like what you're saying about really having that honest conversation with yourself, right? Like, is this fun? Is this something that I want to do? And if it's not, then you know that that program or that plan, you you can change it. There are so many different ways to go about this training that finding what you like is going to be, is going to ultimately help the most. I think one thing that worked out for our squad a lot is how we originally started the squad was our kettlebell workouts just because they got in our aerobic system. So we're still getting that same benefit as from like a long distance run and we're still getting the strength benefits as well. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit because that's a really interesting thing. And I think that I first saw this from your squad and like just the idea of having like an aerobic weight session, essentially um, where you are going at a slow, less than like, like not a very high intense pace when it comes to strength training and just kind of dragging it out. Right. Oh yeah. How, what do those look like? Like I saw like you guys do EMOMs or what is it that helps get, do you go off of heart rate then or just go off? So, of feel? so just like uh, explain like what the well, whole thing is. Uh, first it started off in feel and then we got into a little bit of the heart rate stuff, but it started off like this was our kettlebell secret sauce. like that no one else was doing and we were doing it. Uh, it started off with Matt, uh, me, Nicole and Nell. And we first started off by doing EMOMs. Like every minute on the minute, we do 15 swings, single arm. We'll do that for like 10 minutes straight, and then we'll switch it to a different exercise, still with the kettlebell. Um, so we're usually working like 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off would be like the max timeline type of deal. And that's how it started. And we do that like once a week, turned into twice a week, and then we started making it a little different by going for heart rate. So then I started doing armor complexes with everyone. And if you're not familiar with an armor complex, it's a pretty straightforward kettlebell 
complex where you're doing five cleans single arm with the kettlebell and uh, five single arm squats into one overhead press. And we'd cycle through that five minutes straight, 10 minutes straight. I think the longest we've ever done was 20 minutes straight without putting the bell down. Wow. And I remember one day wearing the heart rate monitor. I'm like, wow, my heart rate did not move from 142, which is my perfect aerobic zone. Hmm. We had just stayed there the entire time. Like, this is awesome. And just for reference, like if you were to do that in a set of like a max set of three, like, so like three sets of the, the cleans, the squats and the press, um, what would be like a max effort that like max weight that you use for the kettlebell and what are you using for the longer pieces? Like, yeah. So if I want to do a max set, uh, I'd probably get up to 32 kilograms just because I can't overhead press for shit. So 32 <laughs> would probably be my limit. Um, but we were using like 20 kilograms or 24 kilograms. So we're okay. using uh, like 60, 65% of that, which is right on the money pretty much. And just to be able to keep it going. And did it take five or 10 minutes to get that heart rate at that point? Cause that's amazing. Like that is an amazing benefit of something like that to be able to get in like that aerobic zone. Oh yeah. No, without running. Yeah. When I was looking at my heart rate, I'm like, this is fucking crazy. It's pretty cool watching that. Um, so yeah, I think it was pretty quick. Like it just spiked probably two minutes and then it just held steady. Um, you might get that slow increase from like, okay, it's 135 and slowly increasing up to 142, but um, it's pretty cool to see that. That's really cool because then it's, again, it's a way to get the same benefits as a, an easy run, yeah. maybe without the the wear and tear of running. And also it's more fun probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely more fun with uh, some friends around talking. Yeah. And so is there, does that beat you up? Like, are, are you feeling, does it hurt? Like, like what's the limiter on that? Like your hands, like what ends up? Hands are definitely a limiter. I know we were all ripping our hands, fingers every now and then. And, uh, it's more so just, I think it's definitely a mental game trying to hold yeah, the belt it's, it's for that long. Like it's, yeah. it's a mental game. So you're getting mentally strong as well. Huh. I really like that. And you guys are really you know, you're pushing it. We talked about bands and chains and things like that. And like the kettlebell is also something that it's easy to teach, but if you don't have any background in kettlebells, it might be like, you see people doing kettlebells wrong a lot. Oh, easily. Oh, that's the number one movement I see in the gym done wrong all the time is kettlebell swings. I know people, people doing squats and pulling it and like kind of throwing it with their, it's a shoulder workout. Great way to fuck up your back. Yeah, dude. (laughs) So like once you get taught them, like they're not bad, but you gotta learn how to to hip hinge and you gotta make sure that that's all right. So a lot of times kettlebells, even, even though it's a simple tool, like people might not have a great idea of how to use it. So um, of all these different like advanced pieces of equipment, um, what what is like one thing that you would recommend an OCR athlete to use? Like uh, advanced meaning just not dumbbells and barbells. Yeah, uh, honestly, get a kettlebell. <laughs> get a kettlebell because you're doing grip training, you're doing shoulder stability, hip mobility training all in one thing. Uh, get a trainer to teach you to do something right and then go from there because it's literally an endless of possibilities with kettlebell. And it's more... I think if you're crunched on time, you all you need is one kettlebell to get a workout in. I think you're right on that with a kettlebell and, and just being able to learn how to use it first, even if you have to just go yeah, buy a training session and, and just get taught how to it's, use it's it. It's definitely well worth it because most athletes, the most important thing is to work your posterior chain correctly. And no matter what, you have to do that with a kettlebell. So I think it's going to get more bang for your buck out of that. And what kind of weight would you recommend people get? Because that's another thing. They're not cheap. Yeah, they're not <laughs> <No>? cheap. <laughs> uh, standard weights. Uh, typically, you could do most exercises with a 24 kilogram for a male and a 16 kilogram for a female. Those are like the standard sets. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if you want to get something a little bit lighter because you're starting off, then go based off of that. But the standard is 24 kilograms male, uh, 16 kilograms for female. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, and then you can like find different flows and things online and all this all this other stuff that can really kind of help uh, move the needle for that. And um, I see you guys pushing that sled a lot. Um, and I I don't ha- and like that's something that I've been like fixated on now because I see the high rocks and I'm like I need to learn how to do this sled. I don't is, really- uh, so I love the sled. It's great for training, especially for athletes right now because we're going into the race season. So going into those concentric movements and the sled's perfect because it's only concentric movements. You're not getting any eccentric wear and tear in the muscles. So that's why we're doing a lot of it now. That's why you're seeing it on the Instagram a lot. As far as a standard for competition, it's it's almost like the worst thing ever because it's you can't standardize it. It's the sled itself and the friction that's running on the turf is never going to be the same for every single athlete. And CrossFit Games had trouble with that, and they're going to have trouble with it in high rocks, and it's just rough. 
yeah, CrossFit's so bad with that, with the, with the different on the actual turf, like outside. Yeah. It's just crazy. And like, um, when you mentioned the, the concentric loading versus eccentric, um, so concentric is just essentially like that push and press and eccentric is like when it, it lengthens. Right. So, so yeah, and- concentric is when your muscle is shortening and you're contracting and eccentric is your muscles lengthening and it's also contracting. And then we also do isometrics as well. Like muscles just not moving. Right. So, and with isometrics and concentrics, you won't really get as sore, right? So you're, that's why it's a good time now to... I don't know about isometrics. I can't speak for that, but definitely concentric work, you won't get as sore. That's pretty much the theory with all the research. And like, yeah, I mean, you can go anecdotal too. If you do three eccentric pull-ups, like your lats will be lit. And if you did, instead of doing like three by 10 pull-ups, like you still get that eccentric, but it's not that slow eccentric loading, you won't be nearly as sore. So you can just like oh, try yeah. it. Um <laughs> And then, yeah, so that is that is interesting. Have you seen that, like, tank thing that DecaFit's going to use? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I, uh, I pushed it already. I was pushed at the DecaFit dinner uh, last weekend, and we pushed it, and it's way easier than the high rock sled. <laughs> uh, so pretty much Aaron's like, okay, you could power hike this pretty easily. You could run as fast as you can with it, but it gives you a little bit more resistance. So it's almost like you're crossing the line at the same time if you want to take it easy or if you want to really go balls to the wall. So there's any, is there any benefit of just like hammering the thing or should you just you'll save, you'll save maybe three to five seconds, but then you'll be spent versus mm. if you just like power walk, you don't get as much resistance, but it's still moving pretty good. Yeah. And, and how does that work? Right. It's kind of like an assault bike works. Where it's, it's like, a, I think they have magnetic resistance on it. So if you're pushing harder, it's going to give you a little bit more pushback and they have different and, levels of resistance. There's like one to five, I believe. And the, the tank is essentially a sled on wheels, right? Yep. Slide push on wheels. It gives you a little bit of resistance or gives you a, a little bit more resistance if you're running with it. Hmm. And but overall, it's a lot easier than high rocks. That's the one big disappointment of DecaFit I found is just whoever has the fastest 5k time, you'll win the race. Yeah. I'm okay with this. I like the way this is going. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way that sounds. The, um, yeah. Cause that's that. I mean, but that's like the, at least what the marketing message is behind it. They want it to be for everyone and if they're gonna oh, yeah. I think that it's definitely thing. for everyone i just think it kind of goes against spartan because they're always about like oh well, you challenge yourself do this hard race and now we're like oh we're marketing a race that's for everyone i agree it seems like it's a little off brand but like it is what it is and, and like marketing anything literally anything marketing it to everyone like means they're just confusing and nobody knows what that is like okay well yeah. like what the fuck? Everyone's an individual, so they want to have something that's for them. So something that's for everyone isn't really going to resonate. Um, but are you are you excited about DecaFit? What do you got going on this year? Uh, I am not excited for DecaFit. I'm not a fast runner, so me at DecaFit is just going to be losing. Well, there's, I mean, there's no- still there's still elements of so just like your background, like you smashed TMX, and when I saw how well you did at TMX, like honestly, I was surprised because I knew you as a, a, a stadium racer. And then going into something like TMX, I was like, holy shit, this dude has really turned this level up. And I mean, how much longer do you think DecaFit is going to be than a, a high, than a, a TMX? Like 15 Deca- minutes longer? Duh, DecaFit's definitely going to be a lot longer because TMX, the longest race was probably like 12 minutes. Um, so oh, was, that, was that all it ended up taking you? Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a lot shorter. <laughs> it's going to be a lot longer. Um, but the thing is, like, I like lifting heavy weights. It's a lot more gratifying. So the heaviest weight they had there was the 60-pound ball, which I thought that was the female weight as first. It's so light. You know, it's, it's the male weight. So I'm like, okay, well. Do you pick it up with your hands? You're just like. Yeah, it's just drop it over. So it's not really gratifying to me. It's more of like the inconvenience. Like, okay, just do this, and then you can continue running again. So it's mm-hmm. like there's no sort of like, oh, I felt good doing this. Like, back to running. Mm-hmm. It's gonna, there's nothing that's going to bring the runners down enough you know it's just gonna i mean i guess what 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 could even i mean if a runner is uncoordinated enough to do box jumps <laughs> i don't yeah. know so i mean it's a cool race it's definitely an awesome race idea um but again i like lifting everything it's more gratifying so that's always getting, my position are you getting the high rocks uh i'm gonna do highly yeah i said before i do the high rocks doubles um mm-hmm. but that's it's a long race and i'm not meant for a long race I'd have to do spend a few more years training just to get there with the top guys. I know because even even so, like the it's still an eight k. Like, it's still an eight k. Kent Hunter, they're all crushing it. So it's just more more time spent on running. The dude who's doing well the, the uh, in New York and Chicago, he's a pretty much a strength dude. Um, 
Alexander Nicholas, I think his name is, or shit. I'm surprised Alex was doing that well. That's awesome for him. He crushed it. Um, I know. I didn't expect it from him at first. Same. Well, he also was a TM was a TMX guy and did did fairly well. Yeah. Um. So I kind of thought the same deal. I was like, all right, maybe this guy doesn't have the 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 engine. And when you look at the splits, his running's way slower, but he's able to make up a lot of ground on the strength stuff. And I mean, obviously, that's where Hunter, um, crushes people, but his running's also really really strong as well <laughs> um just a little bit yeah so man i don't know like i think that that like that sled is just an equalizer that push and pull is yeah it is uh actually in new york i got screwed on the sled because i remember we were doing the rope pulls and i started pulling a girl sled who was also on the other side of the platform and i just never saw her Wait, so, you start, like, yanking the so I started like, pulling her sled and she was pulling it back. And I had no idea for a good 90 seconds when it turned oh, no. over to me and says like, hey, you're pulling her sled. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then by that time I didn't see, like, I'm still trying to pull the thing, but everyone's just holding onto it and walking backwards. So I'm oh, like, okay, yeah. that, it kind of screwed me a little bit, but yeah, it's definitely an equalizer. Cause that thing is no joke heavy. Did you do uh individual there? Or did you do? Um, I did individual. Yeah. You did. And it was it the running. Uh, running and actually wall balls really, uh, I thought the wall balls were taking like four minutes to do. It took me eight minutes. Wow. Was it just like, what were you doing? Like tens, fives? Were you just I, yeah, <laughs> I was wrecked. It literally came down to wrecked. I have a bad shoulder, so I never do like overhead presses. Mm. And I just started doing wall balls like two weeks before the race. So I didn't have enough practice in. Um, and that's just a volume thing. That's like running kind of like, you yeah. really just need to toss that ball a lot to get used to it. And like, I think Isaiah blew everyone away. Cause he did a hundred straight unbroken. Like that's nuts. That's unbelievable. After an hour of doing stuff, yep. <laughs> like so. that's, that's hard. If it's the first thing you did after like a really strong warm up, <laughs> and like to do it at the end of that, that's spectacular. Um, and so when you train for the sled, just like, cause now like people are going to start to want to do this, especially if they want to take high rock seriously. How do you train that for like load and, and like sets and reps? Like what is it? Do you do it kind of like a, like how you would train for strongman where you're like, okay, we're going to push this as long as heavy as we can for 40 seconds and then rest. Or is it more on like sets and reps and like, do you go faster and, and slower sometimes? Or how do you go about training that? Just like any other strength uh, training, you want some days that are high intensity. So a shitload of weight and not as much uh, reps. And then other days you want just, you know, low intensity, high volume. So you're doing just uh, long sets of not much weight on there is probably the best way to go about it. Um, time that's one way to do it again it's either time or distance whatever works best for you and is there something is there anything people should be cautious of with that like when like will you hurt yourself on something like that uh you're definitely putting a lot of stress on the body but again it's mostly concentric forces so it's not too bad i find it hard that you're gonna wreck yourself on a sled push yeah out of most exercises in the gym that's probably one of the safer ones for sure. Yeah. Like that, like things like assault bike <laughs> Yeah, know, is not, not going to get hurt at all. Um, cool. What else, what else you got going on this year? Are you going to do the like uh, stadium stuff? Uh, no, <laughs> I'll probably have more fun doing like some Epic series races just because they have those, uh, strongman type of courses in them. And, uh, I have no idea what I'm doing for the season yet. What are the Epic races? I don't think I know those. I've seen them. I've never, yeah, they're like... in California and a few other places, but it's just like, uh, you have an obstacle course, probably like a, three mile run maybe less than that and then immediately afterwards or you get like a 30 minute break you go into their strongman area and it's like a hundred meter course of just like different lifting implements so it's a cool way to split up obstacle racing and heavy lifting did you ever see that that what um i think it was an east coast race and i think you're around at that point with like the the civilian uh like military combine or race or whatever they called it. Where, I've seen all the advertisements for them. I've never actually done one. Yeah, I don't think it exists anymore. But it was I never done one either. But I know the guy who like who was like running it. But he um yeah, it was like a CrossFit workout essentially, and then you run like you start with like an AMRAP. Oh, okay, yes, I do remember that. I was gonna do it too, and I don't know why I didn't. Yeah, it was like this box AMRAP where you're just doing some simple deadlifts, box jumps, and something else. Yeah, like push press um, or something. It was like yeah. light light stuff. And then you go out for a run. What would be your ideal? Like, was TMX literally your ideal race? Yeah, honestly, that's my ideal race. You have the mile run, obstacles, and lifting in between because there's nothing more gratifying than picking up something and throwing it over your shoulder if it's heavy enough to give you that challenge. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, TMX was the probably one of my favorite races that we've done around. And you get to do it more than once. So what other races are like that? 
I know. That's such a bummer. Are you bummed? A little bit. Because <laughs> when they canceled it, I know me and Matt were training super hardcore. We both, like, I put on 20 pounds of muscle. So I was, like, at 200 pounds in the offseason. He was, like, up to 185 maybe, and he's, like, a 160 guy. Oh, my God. We put on a lot of muscle mass getting ready for the season, and everyone's like, oh, they're going to cancel it. I'm like, no, no, have faith. They're going to bring it back. And then they just canceled it. So, like, we did all this training for nothing. And then, like, it's hard to take off muscle. You know? <laughs> like once you put that on you're like well shit now now what am i gonna do with this just run <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, just i was run. running with a weight vest on and it felt great yeah so what would be like um all right man oh, that's cool and uh sweet dude so anything else you really want to talk about when it comes to strength stuff anything we didn't cover or anything you want to let the peoples know about uh honestly get a find a good strength coach train with them for a little bit. It doesn't have to be forever. Just find out what they're doing and what you're missing out on because some of the things that you're doing right now are probably, you could do better things. Squatting and deadlifting, like, yeah, they're great, but are you ever in a two-foot stance in a race? No. Do some single leg work, do some split stance work, like find out better things to do to enhance your athletic performance. I'm glad you brought that up because not all trainers are created equal, right? And so what are some things that you would advise somebody that you know doesn't live in your area and wants to go find somebody to train with like what are some things that people should look for who want to get better at OCR in a strength coach in a a, a personal trainer yeah first thing to look is is their degree do they have a degree in the field or do they not it's not always a necessity but it's more towards like okay if they have a degree more likely they're gonna do more research than someone else um, what degree do they have? Is it like a NASM? Is it ACSM? Is it CSCS? Uh, CSCS requires you to have a degree in the field. So usually those trainers are, in my opinion, the higher standard. That's like the hardest test too. Did you, do you have your CSCS? No, because I think my college professor told me ACSM was the gold standard. So I'm like, oh, I'll just do that. And I, then I found out later CSCS is like the gold standard. So <laughs> I'm like, you. whatever. I'm not going to spend another $400 just to take a test just to have CSCS. That's stupid. Right. Um, but the next thing to look at is like, okay, what other certifications do they have? Do they go to seminars regularly? Because I've gone – when I became a trainer at first, I went to every single seminar I could. Kettlebells, uh, talked with other professionals, nutritionists, and stuff like that. So – are they doing continuing education? That's easy to ask. Mm-hmm. Totally. And like, and it's also to me that that's a good point when it comes to their degrees and, and because a lot of times if they're still working in the field and they went to school for it they're and they're expanding on what they currently know, it means they're serious about it. I, I found that oh, a yeah. lot of times like trainers are, are, aren't that serious. They're, it's, just, <laughs> it's like a job for them, you know, and they just don't know really what else to do. And, and that's when you get the people who are just going to put you through like circuits and who are just yeah. going to like give you workouts because that's easy. Or I was like, oh, I saw this in a magazine. This looks like fun today. <laughs> yeah, or, or it's something anecdotal that they've done, right? Like it's yeah. like, oh, when I do this, I get jacked. So here you go. Um, the biggest thing in the field, and I think it's the biggest problem, is the people who have the most clients or are doing the best or just are smooth talkers are not the best trainers. They don't right. have the knowledge to just like, oh, I'm your pal. Like, I could be a friend with you. So they have more trainers. So it's a sad realization in that world when you see someone that has all these clientele or maybe it's even celebrities or top-end trainers. Like, oh, this guy trains a top-end athlete. I should train with them. Not always the case. And it ends up being who's the best at marketing. It's not even – it has nothing to do with – the actual implementation and what the knowledge is and maybe they get results but maybe they're they're cutting corners because you can't you can't especially when it comes to the most powerful things that people see are before and after photos and though you can give somebody that's something that's not sustainable and not for performance so it's hard to find a performance coach you know it's hard to find someone that is really dialed in with what you need and well because you don't know the the consumer doesn't know what to look for and a lot of times strength coaches suck at marketing so. Absolutely. I think there's one great question to always ask someone. If you're going to train with someone, just ask them like, hey, why are we doing this exercise? Or like, why are we doing this? Because there has to be a specific answer. Hey, we're doing it for this reason. We're training these muscle fibers. Or we're doing this type of system training. Or we're doing it because you think it's fun. That's the only two answers I'll accept. There's a specific reason or you think it's fun. That's it. Like, oh, you like this and you'll do it. Yeah. And, that's, and it's good to test them and not even just to know that – thing that your knowledge is better than their knowledge, but to know that they have an answer and if they've thought about it, because yeah. I feel like trainers sometimes or coaches don't even think about it. <laughs> They're just like, ah, this is just, you just do deadlifts. It's like, <laughs> it's like, do I need to do deadlifts? Like 
I'm I'm running this race. Yeah. So that that that's a good call as well. So are you taking on any um are you actively taking on clients at all? Uh, I'm only, I think I have like two or three spots open for new clients because I like to keep my client list low just so I can focus on um, a better product, to be honest. Like it's so hard to manage more than, in my opinion, if you're managing over 30 clients, it's, you're either using like a template work or you're just not putting in the same effort. So over 30 clients is something I can't handle. I know myself, Um, other people maybe can, but I can't. The product would suffer. And if it's not just like the product that you're getting as far as what the workouts are, then the actual coaching relationship part will, will fall now. Like the communication aspect, it's just too many. I agree. Yeah. Um, cool. So how can people uh, reach out to you? Uh, on my Instagram page, I think I put my email on there. So yeah, that's the best way to get to me is DMs or email. Um, D Moralia, D M I R A G L I A zero one at Gmail is probably the best way to reach me. Um, cool, man. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to try to get out to high rocks. I was planning to do that one because I hadn't, I haven't had like January. I had some sort of conflict and then the New York one, I had a conflict. So I'm just like, no, whatever. I'm just, I'll just go to LA, but there you go, so, man. I'm hoping. <laughs> so, so you, you and your bro will be out there. Oh uh, yeah. We should be out there in LA. Sweet dude. So hopefully I'll see you out there. Um, well, cool, man. I, I appreciate you popping on, dropping all these gems for the people. And, uh, I'm going to press stop now, but it's going to like keep, you're not going to get kicked off. <laughs> no um, all right, man. Well, appreciate it. And I appreciate everybody listening. And we'll talk to you soon.